Hey guys, it's Bradley. I want to tell you about Ascend. Ascend is not just another premium finance company. Ascend will solve all of your agency bill problems through automation of invoicing, premium financing, carrier payables, all the way to the end of the workflow. There's a lot of hidden costs with how you're doing business today. AMSs, CRMs can spend more than half the day chasing down payments, following up on non-pays, getting signatures for financing docs. This leads to an overworked, overwhelmed, unhappy team. And guys, you want your team to be happy. Industry's hard enough as it is. We really need them to be happy. As your agency grows, this issue gets worse and worse. And we typically solve the problem with a little bit of software, but a ton of manpower still involved. With Ascend, you can use a software first solution and just need a little bit of manpower, allowing you to grow without significant increase in overhead. Ascend automates all of these repetitive payment processes so your team can get back to helping your clients. With Ascend, we've seen non-payment cancellations in our agency go down up to 95%. Teams save more than 20 hours per month when they work with Ascend and an average of a 75% decrease in payment-related customer questions. Guys, if people aren't calling your office with questions, you have more time to sell and grow your agency. Visit useascend.com backslash insurance, guys. Guys, Ascend makes agency bill as easy as direct bill, but you keep all of the benefits of agency bill the best of both worlds. Thanks, guys. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Hawksoft. God, I love Hawksoft. I really do love Hawksoft, by the way. Yeah. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama. Parade first team All-American rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Best I've ever been. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm in Mobile, Alabama today. I am so fired up to be here, and I've got a very, very special guest on this podcast today. But before I put him on the on the air with us here, and I've heard through the grapevine from about five people that he has a very inspiring story that I may get up and flip this damn desk over and end the podcast before this is all said and done. I'm excited. I'm excited to bring him on. But before we do, Bradley, and Bradley can attest to this, I never tell him what I'm going to say before I start the podcast when we get to uh, story time with Uncle Scott. That's why I talk to my therapist about that all the time. You probably should. (laughs) So Bradley and I had the distinct honor of going up to New York and meeting with the CEO and president of Lloyd's of the Americas in New York on like the 23rd floor of a fancy uh, office building. And I was very honored to get to do that. We met Hank. Hank was the CEO of Lloyd's of America. And since all, and as I'm sitting there going through this meeting with him, with Bradley, which by the way, you asked some very good questions while you were there. I was being a dumbass, but you were not. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, one of the things I said to Hank as I was leaving, I said, Hank, if you ever get down to Pine Ridge, Alabama, population 79, stop by and say hello to me. And he said, Scott, I'll do that. I'll do that. And I thought, there's no possible way in this world that you would ever get to Pine Ridge, Alabama. 
I have a story. Since all you guys weren't there with us, I wanted to tell you a couple of the cool stories that we heard while we were there. My favorite story that he told was when 9-11 happened. When 9-11 took place, Lloyds of London was on the hook for about $7 billion of that loss. And they did not dispute that they were on the hook for about $7 billion of that loss. And a few, I guess a few months after everything, you know, shook out and people figured out who was responsible for what in the insurance industry, because as usual, the insurance industry is the only thing that keeps this country from not looking like a damn third world country. Yep. The New York state regulators call Hank up on the phone and they said, Hank, it's the New York state insurance regulators. When can we come by and get a check for $7 billion? <laughs> and Hank says, well, guys, we just don't have that laying around like it's couch cushion change. You know, $7 billion is a lot of money. And so the attorneys for Lloyd met with the state regulators for the state of New York, and they worked out a payment plan, rent center style, for about, I believe, about a 12-month period where – each month, I guess they just wrote them a check for X number of dollars until they reached their limit. But I felt like that was a very interesting story. Um, One thing he pointed out that was interesting was, you know, Lloyd's insured the buildings and the planes. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That was a major loss. It was a lot of, uh, and, I, and it may have taken more than just a few months to figure that out. I'm it sure. might have been a year or two before that got figured out. But I did find it interesting that the New York uh, regulators for the insurance department were like, hey, when can we come by and pick up a check for $7 billion? Mm -hmm. Guys, we've got a very special guest on today, and I'm so excited and proud to have him on. I'm humbled. I'm blessed for him to be here, and I want to give him the introduction that he has always deserved. Ladies and gentlemen, he is originally from Long Island, New York, and he currently resides in Melbourne, Florida. He is married to the beautiful Kelly Gregg. And they have three beautiful grown babies, Keegan, age 29, McKenna, age 24, and Corbin, age 26. Now, guys, y'all are old enough now that your daddy's going to let you listen to this podcast. And I want you to do me a big favor when you hear this podcast. I want to give all three of you a shout out. Keegan, McKenna, and Corbin, listen to what I'm saying. Your daddy has accomplished so much in the insurance industry, and he's a pretty damn big deal. I want y'all to do me a favor. I want you to go hug his neck and tell him how much, how proud you are of him and how much you love him because I know how much he loves you, and you all three should be very proud of what he's accomplished in this industry. He is a University of Central Florida graduate with a bachelor's degree in both economics and a master's degree in finance. And like myself, he served – in the 1985-86 time frame, he served in the United States Marine Corps. In a past life, he ran third-party distribution uh, nationally for CNA, Alliance, and resurrected an underperforming region for AXA. Today, he is the founder and CEO of Orion 180, bringing over 25 years of experience in the insurance industry. He is pioneering new ways of assessing risk, and serving the needs of customers and community. He is seen as an industry visionary, winning the 2009 Risk Innovator of the Year, and he brings his achievements and experience in management consulting, 
business development and risk analysis and applies them to read where the market is and where it is going. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Ken Gregg. How are you, Ken? Doing well. Thank you for your uh, kind words there and your uh, very generous and uh, uh, warming welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure my honor to be on your podcast. Ken, I've talked to probably three people in the industry that we have mutual friends that have all said to me, get Ken Gregg on this podcast and let him tell the story, I guess, of kind of how you got in the industry. So climb in my DeLorean today and take us back into time and tell us that story that I've heard so much about. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I think uh, when you look at it, yeah, I don't I don't know if I've met many people that sit there and say, they, you know, when they go to school, they're going to or when they're planning their future, they say we're going to get in the insurance industry. Right. It's such an exciting business. Right. <laughs> As we all know, it's such exciting business. It is actually once you get into it, but not right. knowing it when from the outside. But so when I came out of uh, college, uh, you know, really graduate school, uh, I was looking for a career and I was actually got into and, you know, fell into a space running distribution for some companies. As you mentioned, uh, I ran distribution nationally for CNA and then Allianz. But it really just entered my world, brought me into that world of insurance and really opened my eyes to a really, really exciting area that uh, a lot of people just don't understand it, don't know about it until you get in it. You know, one of the things I think is, is speaks a lot to you, what you got, what you do. And and a lot of the the folks listening to this podcast do is agents. You know, when everybody I talk to, if they ask the industry, I'll say, I'm in the insurance industry, I have an insurance company. They immediately think I'm an insurance agent. Right. Right. And uh, it's, it, it says a lot because that's who they daily interact with. Right. And it means how important the agents are to the to their lives for one that's you know big thing but it really showed me when i got into it and in, in learning about product and risk mitigation and and dealing with consumers uh you know in in throughout the the entire us and you finding out what's important what different things and so you know 20 something years in it 26 years later we, i was very fortunate to work for some very good companies have a lot of good opportunities that took advantage of them and what was most important to me was learning, you know, learning a lot as I went along the way, learning what was, you know, what worked, what didn't work. Uh, so it brought me to a journey to where someday I created that first product on the policy, on the, uh, on the property side, that risk innovation product. We saw, I saw a need in the marketplace after the hurricanes of 2004 and 2005, when really everybody was being introduced to the uh, the hurricane wind deductibles being put in place when people mm-hmm. weren't aware of them. And what that would do. So I actually created a product that would ensure those deductibles 100 percent, which nobody in the industry was doing at that point in time. Uh, So that got me into the side there and built out. And one of the other things I learned through my experience was ease of doing business. Right. How important is that to do it for the customers? For it doesn't matter just for the customer, but as well as our, our our folks on the agency side, our distribution side, how important it is uh, in the decision making process. So. You know, those are the things that kind of some of the things that kind of drove me to start Orion 180, uh, you know, throughout, you know, through my experiences and different things. And one of the things I saw and learned are the right things and the things that I didn't agree with. Um, and when I started Orion 180, I wanted to do something different. And that's one of the things I focused on as a company. And we we think and we hope we're delivering on that and is giving a different experience. 
So talk a little bit about, I know Bradley is very intimate with Orion 180, but for all the agents out listening to this, the 250,000 insurance agents from around the world, what is Orion 180? What makes you guys so much different? That's a great question. I get asked a lot. I bet. You know, because everybody wants to know a couple things. Where's Orion 180, the name come from? You know, we, we position ourselves and we tell people, you know, that when you hear about our story, our value proposition is about technology. You know, I created a unique technology platform. Um, I, I didn't write the code. Don't get me wrong here. I, I can't write a line of code to save my life, but I designed the platform and it was about making it easy to do business and manage your insurance policy mm-hmm. from all the way across the board, though. And I take all the perspectives in place. I take the insurance perspective. I look at the agent's perspective and I look at my own employees' perspectives. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my technology team that works, as I'm sure Bradley shared with you, we have 35 software developers on staff that only work on our own technology platform that we designed. It's our own proprietary technology platform. And one of the things I talked to my technology platform about, my technology staff was, they've got three customers. And most people are like, whoa, what do you, you know, what do you, what do you mean you have three customers? You have an insured and you got the agents, right? Well, I also have my own employees. Mm. You know, that's their job in their department. They've got to solve for three customers. We got to make sure we're solving for all three of them. And really, there's four. I can throw my executive team on there, right? They, they've got to have different needs too. So all four have different needs. There's no one commonality here. But the biggest thing is how do we utilize our technology to run our business better? And that's what I designed our company about is making sure we can create a very three basic really premises that I look at as our differentiators when we talk to agents. We give competitive product, we give competitive pricing and competitive pay. And you, you don't hear me say we're giving the highest compensation. You know, we're not buying business. We don't give every bell and whistle out there because that's unsustainable as well. Sure. And we're not going to compete on the lowest price. It's about providing opportunities and doing it and giving you a way to make it as easy as possible for you to do business with us. Mm-hmm. And while, while at the same time, giving transparency. Mm-hmm. And that's really the big value proposition we talk about is, is make it easy to do business with us, give you a great experience. And as you saw, I'm sure you, you've seen in some of our branding and we, we you know, really promote it is we tell everyone you need to expect more of us. You need to have higher expectations. You know, one thing as a person growing up and kid, as a, you know, as a young kid and growing through my life and then going to the Marine Corps, expectations matter and you mm-hmm. should expect more. If you expect less, you're going to get, guess what you're going to get? Less, right? You know, expectations matter. We strive to win. We strive to put out nothing but the best. And we always look to improve every day. But I want to touch on the ease of doing business too, Ken. Uh, so I gave a talk to a group of carrier executives. It was a group of care executives and and technology. It was the technology department as well for for an insurance carrier about two months ago. And kind of the ethos of my talk, where I kind of like concluded, was in every decision you make with the technology and in the in the direction of your insurance company, focus on making it easier on the agents to do business with you. Mm. Because if, if, if you can make it easy on the agents to do business with you, we can then in turn make it easy on our customers to do business with us. And when we make it easy on our customers to do business with us, price matters a lot less than it does in the other situation. And an example I like to give, there's a carrier that we have that we're selling like hotcakes on the commercial side that is not the cheapest by far. If you'll tell me who it is, I'll I'll do my, uh, it sounds like. Off the air, I will. 
You don't mean that, my but, sounds but like we, we, we are turning around quotes extremely fast because they make it so easy to do business that the customers are thrilled. Right. So to me, that's a huge piece that makes you guys unique, especially compared to a lot of the other carriers we deal with on the personal line side. That's a, it's a actually great point. One of the things, a quote I live with, uh, and we really put really push around here as a company. Um, and when we start and we try to really get it out there to resonate, because I think of as an agent, if an agent could get this point, it's a way to differentiate themselves in the marketplace, right? And early on in my career, I learned this as well and really lived by it and had success with it is price is only an issue in the absence of value, right? And, and that's a fact. And, and that's when you start differentiating and start trying to find out what is the value that you're giving? Because if everything's equal, that's when you start talking price. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a matter of I don't care if you're buying a pair of shoes, you're buying a hat, you're buying a car, you're buying two different mugs. You're looking at what's the value for the differentiation of price. And that's one thing a lot of people have a, a difficulty with. And I think as a society, we, we went away from it. You, you had some marketing groups that went out there for whatever reason, from an advertising standpoint and associated with value with cheap. Mm-hmm. Right. And value is not cheap. Value is what are you getting for the, what you spend? And that is the key out there. And, and, and I'm glad to hear, you know, Brad, when you mentioned about not being the, selling the cheapest price because ease of doing business, what the, our focus was making it easy to do business with us, but giving you a competitive product, competitive price that you could sell. Right, right. It's allowing you to do what you do best. Your job is to find the right coverage at the right price and make it easy to manage life. People don't want to spend a lot of time dealing with headaches, right? It's human uh-huh. nature. When you start talking about ease of doing business, there's people here about it all the time on a different side, path of least resistance. Human nature says, go search for the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And that's what ease of doing business is. Well, and to, I guess, tag on to the back of what you said earlier. So we were talking about that 2004, 2005 time time period. And you were talking about, you know, great experience and, and you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, expectations and things like that. And here we are, the year is 2023, which for you and I, both probably in our 50s, that time period has just flown by. I mean, I, I, there are days when I still feel like I'm 25 years old and I'm 51. But my point in saying that is Amazon right. and the convenience of Amazon today has made the words that you said back in the 2003, four, five timeframe even more important because all of the customers and prospects that we serve expect that Amazon same, you know, uh, convenience and customer, you know what I'm saying? Well, Absolutely. That's, you're competing against the expectations of Amazon. Exactly. Even that's, though that's what I don't I'm think insurance will ever be bought and sold as easy as it is on Amazon, that's what the customer expects in the transaction correct correct right and that but that you know one of the things though the difference between amazon and not being having a consumer be able to do it like an amazon transaction is amazon transaction is they're buying a shirt correct right 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 or a pair of shoes or you're, something you're, similar to that you're point, speaking right? my love language right now by the way go ahead and, keep and going insurance and that's where when you heard we've all gone through the world and agents ran through the world and this is something in my previous Earlier in my career, I ran against it because I was on the financial product side of the of the insurance industry. And the financial advisors had an earlier experience with essentially the online uh, or direct-to-consumer competition, mm-hmm. right? They dealt with E-Trade and everybody was scared that E-Trade was going to take all their customers. Well, what they found out, it wasn't taking their customers. 
Direct-to-consumer digital was the same concept here with homeowners, you know, the hippos, the lemonades, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not on here. But, you know, those companies that went to digitally online, what they found out was the customer they're getting and what you're presenting is in the insurance agents world, they kind of built, opened the door for that to happen mm-hmm. by shopping on price and everything always trying to find the cheapest price. What they said is everything else is equal. Right. As we all know, everything else is not equal with insurance companies. Products are different. Coverages are different. Different limits the way the forms work. And what experience do you have at a claims time standpoint or customer service? All these things matter. So there is a value conversation. And the agents through a period of time went down a path of saying, right, coverage and all those other factors, those value props don't matter. It's only price. Mm -hmm. And that opened the door to those direct consumer companies. But what we found is the consumers really don't know what they're buying. They right. need the agent to explain to them. The agents are really risk, essentially, consultants. Because insurance right. is a transfer risk. That's what we all know that, right? I right. don't think our industry really speaks about that enough. That we're actually paying for a transfer of risk. That's what the insurance industry is. It's what is the risk that you're transferring and what is the price associated to that risk that you're willing to transfer? How much, if the a consumer wants to talk about a price point, well, first thing they need to figure out is how much risk are they willing to retain? Mm-hmm. And then from there, start looking at coverages and price points based on what they're getting as a risk appetite. Um, and, and to me, I think the agents that focus on that, that that's the agent that will actually build a long, long-term, sustainable, very sticky business that is brings a lot of value to the table and they don't have to worry about price. We talked about early in my career, I would always focus on, we didn't want to talk about on the financial side returns because one day you can be the hottest guy, the next day you'll be out of favor, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing on price. One day you may be the cheapest, the next day you're not. So you're going to lose your business. It's the same thing with bells and whistles on coverages. One day you may have the hottest bells and whistles, the next day you don't. As long as you stay competitive and you provide a good quality service and you do what meet the needs and wants of the of the customer, you'll have a long-term sticky business. Well, and that's what we we focus on as a company. Well, what happens too with the, the direct-to-consumer companies, for most agents, for 80% of agents out there, the direct-to-consumer companies are picking up the customers that really you don't want anyway. Mm-hmm. And what you're getting on the problem with direct the, the big problem with direct-to-consumer insurance is the customer acquisition cost is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you're not, you're not selling a SaaS product where the margins are 99. percent You're right. selling an insurance product where the margins are 12. Right, and you don't make any money unless you keep that customer year over year over year. Well, guess what happens if you do happen to keep that customer year over year over year is you have claims, mm-hmm. which is the second problem with direct consumer insurance. Mm-hmm. Every time they call, they're talking to a different person. Right. And then the third problem is, is you get adverse selection. Mm-hmm. You get customers, you get the houses with issues, you get the cars with issues, you get the people that they know they have a crack on their windshield, but they're going to buy the Geico policy and then wait two months and file a claim. Right. That's those are the three big problems with direct consumer insurance. So it's taken care, in my opinion. I don't mind, and I know Ken, you guys don't go direct to consumer, which I do love. I don't mind when my when some of my carriers do go direct to consumer. I know I differ a little bit with other agents of that because it lets them get all the 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 clients that I don't want. And there's a little bit of a brand being built there, and I don't have to explain who the carrier is. You know what I mean? So it makes my job a little bit easier in that regard. But there's still the ethical standpoint of competing with your agents and that sort of thing, which obviously have a problem with. But but one thing you said when we were together in Melbourne a couple months ago is is you guys don't go direct to consumer and never will, uh, or at least that was that was implied. And so talk a little bit about 
kind of some of those things. Well, I mean, you nailed it on the head. I mean, and we do. We believe in the AC channel. We believe what you bring, the value you bring to the table of finding the quality risk that we want to have and underwrite. The other, there's another major problem that you mentioned that is the fourth problem of direct consumer is that buyer is a price buyer, right? They are that's why they're online. They are a price buyer. And that price buyer is going to constantly be shopping. That means there's no stickiness for a company. And those direct guys, they need that customer, to your point, to stick a long term, right? right? To get to recoup that cost of acquisition. And that's not going to, it's going to be a problem for them going forward. I said some of the same things you and Bradley were saying on a podcast with Nick Berry last week. We got into this conversation about direct to consumer. You know, I've always said people should not be able to buy insurance online. And the main reason for that is the liability component yep. of insurance. People want it fast. They want to jump online and they want to get something as quick as they can, even though they really don't know what they're doing. And But but that part of it doesn't bother me. Is it, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road, is when your kids are on a helicopter getting flown to a trauma one center, mm-hmm. you damn sure want to talk to Scott Howell or Bradley Flowers at that moment. You don't want to call a call center and speak to a 21-year-old, not to mention the fact, what if that's their fault? And now there's another family in a minivan sitting on the side of the interstate that are all bank, you know, hurt and got to be in the hospital for six months. I don't believe, you know, it's okay to go to Amazon and buy a T-shirt or a hat or a camera, but when you start talking about the liability component of insurance and somebody having to file for bankruptcy because you bought your insurance online and you just chose, well, I can get it cheaper if I pick this mm-hmm. coverage right here. That to me, that's where you should not be allowed to jump on somewhere and buy insurance online. Well, you need some advice. And on that note too, one angle I think we don't talk about enough as insurance agents. So I got into a discussion with one of these real estate guys on Twitter, you know, and you know, I don't know if you know this, Scott, but real estate guys know everything. Oh yeah. Um, and, <laughs> I can, and I can damn sure tell and you. And by that. real estate guys, I mean like investor. I don't mean real estate agent. Oh, I know and, exactly what you were talking and, about. And he says, he says, it was giving advice around your vehicle, and he was like, I drive a cheap car. I do this, and he's like, I only carry state minimum car insurance, mm. and. One of my points when people tell me, when these people, and I have a few friends like this that are too smart, they only carry state minimum, right? Right. You know, we all know the spiel of, well, that's not where the claim stops. That's just where the insurance company starts, stops paying. So if you have a $50,000, you know, you do $50,000 worth of damage, you you know, extra 25, you know, all that kind of stuff. But here, let's flip the script a little bit. Mm. What if you hit somebody and you paralyze them for the rest of their life? Mm -hmm exactly what I'm talking about. Don't you want them to be taken care of? Right. Ethically, don't you mm-hmm. want them to be taken care of? Mm-hmm. Not we're, we're not talking about your assets being protected anymore. We're not talking about your insurance premium. Ethical. Don't you want to ensure that they're going to be taken care of because you would feel really bad and then you're going to and then you're going to come out of pocket, right? Or you're right. going to be sued and that sort of thing. So, and you're literally talking about $13 a month. Right. You're so smart. You're you're making my point right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I'm just, I'm I mean, I'm adding to it. Yeah, I, I just I've just always felt very strongly since we started this podcast that some somewhere somehow some way somebody needs to outlaw 
the ability for somebody to just jump on a, a, a website at two o'clock in the morning and try to get insurance. I just don't believe that, that that's the, the right thing to do. But Well, the other thing you have, too, is there's so many companies now that are VC backed. Right. And we only sell direct to consumer. We cut out the agent. We save the 15% there. Sounds so good to VCs because they're out in Silicon Valley, which is not the real world by any stretch of the imagination that it sounds so good to them. They're they're almost pigeonholed into doing that angle, which is why all of these companies start out direct to consumer and then end up back with agents. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we don't use agents. We save the 15%. You can buy insurance online. It's better. And then three years later, after their 4,300% loss ratio drops, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, by the way, like I'm waiting... The, the CEO of Ken Insurance was in my DMs a year ago saying he would never use agents. And I cannot wait to <laughs> reach back out to him in a year when they stay. And what they're going to do is they're going to go to MGAs first. Right. And then they're going to make their way down. And then all of a sudden they're going to be doing direct appointments. Uh-huh. Well, hello there. Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. Guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back and do what we did here at iProtect Insurance. Join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees, small $200 a month membership fee, over 50-plus carriers for direct appointments, and by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. You keep 100% of your commissions, profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years – Each year, our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. No termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator, and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree.org. That's acfree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six months. That's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.ac free.org and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. 
So, hey, Ken, I had a question. Uh, I'm a neophyte with Orion 180. I don't know a ton about you guys. Are we talking for these agents listening right now? Is this, this is a homeowner's insurance product? Is that correct? Am I right about that? Right now, it is correct. Okay. And no. You guys have some other products you're launching. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we're looking to add right now. We we launched our home warranty, home electronics products. We were launching a a life, a, a essentially a uh, income term life type of a product product coming out here in short order. We'll be launching. We're, we're right now getting ready to begin development on a commercial product. Mm. Um, and so for us as a company, our future is we're expanding lines of business and we're also expanding geographically um, as well as as you know, we've got our surplus lines product, homeowner product, which is for the coastal uh-huh. exposures and coastal market, as well as we have, we're launching our admitted company here. Uh, we've done all of our filings. We'll have our inland in all of the states that we're in uh, for our admitted offering. And, w- awesome. and what states are you guys in currently, just for the agents listening, if they're wondering, or is there a website they could go to to get that information? Uh, the website, they can go to the website, of course, Orion180.com. They can learn a little bit more about us, of course, and see what states we're in. Our current marketplace is uh, the great news is we're, we've just got authority today. We'll be launching back in North Carolina. So we're Alabama, nice. Mississippi, South Carolina, North Carolina on our coastal, uh, you know, offering. Um, and then we'll be uh, we're waiting for. So back to step, we've got two. We've stood up two insurance companies. Uh, we have our first one is Orion 180 insurance company. That is our surplus lines company for our coast, coastal offerings. Uh, both Demotech rated A and as well as Kroll uh, rating. We've got a stood up our second company, which we received our authority with uh, for Orion 180 Select Insurance Company. That's our, our essentially what you would call your standard carrier uh, that will be offering the admitted products through. And those we've we've filed for licensing in those same four states as well as Georgia and Tennessee. And uh, we'll be building out a product for Indiana and more of the Midwest as well. So we've talked a lot about where we are today and setting expectations and, and all the, the different things we've, we've already talked about. What do you feel like is the future of home and auto insurance over the next and, 10 years? And where do you think this hard market's going? What, what, do you, what are you seeing <laughs> when you talk to reinsurers and that sort of thing as well? Because yeah. you, had a, you had an interesting, interesting take on all that when we were down in Melbourne. Yeah. And, you know, we just finished, uh, we're just wrapping up our reinsurance placement. Uh, so we're always ahead of the market in the South. Uh, we are for one renewal. Okay. So we're finishing up our reinsurance placement right now. We've already placed our tower. We're just getting ready to start signing contracts. Put it in perspective. We, we did really, really well. We, we increased our tower uh, by nearly uh, 20% in size. Uh, the, the Because of our growth, we had to buy more. The other thing we've done is we actually we've we're a great performer as you're aware, and we've shared our numbers with you when you were in Melbourne. But mm-hmm. our loss ratio is fantastic; it's one of the best in the industry. We're trailing twelve month loss ratio about forty one uh, percent, and your reinsurers love you. They do, and you know what? We we haven't had any losses to the reinsurance market in two years straight, and we only had one year out of five years that we've given losses to the reinsurance market, and that was Sally and Zeta in two thousand twenty. Um, and they weren't even significant losses that we gave to them. We outperformed yeah. our peers and we still are experienced a 25% rate increase on our reinsurance placement. Mm-hmm. So companies are going to be experiencing anywhere from 35 to 40 to 50% rate increases on their reinsurance placement. It's extremely tough market. 
there's a multitude of factors working against us, though. You know, you've got not only the market of losses last year with Ian, of course, and even though uh, Nicole was not a big loss into the reinsurance market, it was still a loss to the market, right? Right. Uh, but Ian was pretty substantial, and it's going to keep on giving a little bit. For we've already seen some adjustments. We'll see how that works out. But there's other issues that go along with it. The reinsurance market does do private flood, which Ian was a massive flood loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of drivers to that, and then you throw on top the cost of capital uh, when you look at the interest rate environments. Right? These are all impacting the reinsurance market and and the cost of the reinsurance, which is a major contributor across the board to companies. And it wasn't just in the Southeast. It's a lot of the Midwest companies because of the tornado hail events that they had experienced last year, as we all know, and we, we, we've, we, we've dealt with in the marketplace. Those are all driving losses to drive up the reinsurance market. And for outside capital, what came in to save the market after essentially 0405, outside capital came in because it was cheap money, right? And they came in and found an alternative market to come in and participate in the rates. And that's what brought reinsurance costs down very quickly after 04 and 05. Outside companies came in and new companies were stood up or the ILS industry came in and brought capital in the reinsurance. Well, right now that's not happening. And I think what you're going to see is we're going to still have a very hard market this year. I think we'll have a hard market. Who knows what happens if the wind blows again, but if the wind doesn't blow, I think we we get the, we'll have a, we think this could be a peak, but there's to be trade-offs, but People need to be aware it's not just in the Southeast. It is national. I do know the nationals in the Midwest and the Northeast all took significant price increases or had significant price increases as well as retention increases uh, as of 1-1. And that's going to continue into the six ones as well. Mm. The six ones are going to get retention increases again, changes in forms and conditions, terms and conditions, and they're going to have significant prices increases going forward. So the market's not settling by any means on the reinsurance side. Uh, it goes to my, my complaints about my complaints in the industry, by the way. I've got my own little complaint points. You know, I look at it, we say we got one highly regulated entity, which is the insurance companies, right? And they're significantly dependent upon three non-regulated entities. Hmm. Um, insurance agents, for the most part, aren't regulated. You've got reinsurers are not regulated. And you've got the rating agencies are not regulated. So, for example, if I were to go to Demotech and ask Demotech and say, hey, you know, I'd like to get my A rating to an A prime. What do I need to do? They won't tell you. They can't. They'll say, I can't tell you that. You can file and see what we'll do is we'll look at it and we'll rate you again. But if it comes out of A, you go, okay, again, hey, what do I need to do to get to A prime? Right. They won't tell you. Same thing with Kroll. Kroll will give you the rating. They'll say, here's our results. You can either accept it, you can re- reject it, or you can, uh, you know, resubmit but they won't tell you what you need to do to get a better rating mm. right how's that the case i'm looking to improve it if you tell me i need to put more capital i need to write less business or i need to diversify tell me what i need to do to do it and get a better rating but they won't tell you and that's not a re- regulated entity they'll tell you they are because the re- you know the sec or finra will regulate them and look at their process and that's how they get the nrsro but the fact of the matter is there's nobody looking at them saying no you don't have transparency uh, how you do your calculations how you came up with your you know, your rating for them, what your determination was, you don't have any of the processes for that, right? And they're all unregulated. And we all, but us as an insurance company, we're answering to a highly regulated body that never has to put a money into the, the company. These rating, regulatory bodies don't have any money at risk. They've never run an insurance company for the most part, but they're going to tell you how to run your business. Mm. And uh, they don't have to deal, deal with the outside parties. Hey, I got a question for you. 
you guys aren't you guys aren't in Florida yet, are you? Not yet. We're looking. We're working on going there. So, are the changes that have already happened, and then the stuff that uh, mm-hmm. DeSantis is? I think they're they're even looking at doing some more things down there as well. They just signed some more stuff. Yeah. Today is it today? They just signed. I think last week. It's more. Okay. Geared, that was more geared toward auto, though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is is all of this stuff making it uh, in the next year or two more uh, inviting for you? I, I assume to get back to, to get down there. Uh, absolutely, uh, okay. they've actually did some nice changes. Yeah, it will be an inviting market. You have to, for a new company like ourselves, it, it'll be good because we go in, we get without having any legacy issues. Sure, but there's still an issue, and I, I and I've met with the departments. I met with all these departments we do business in. I go around. I might want to meet with the commissioners and I talk with them and stuff. I would love to see the regulatory bodies uh, really do and kind of get with the modern times. And really what I believe they should be regulating is the transparency of marketing materials and what the coverages we offer and what we sell. Right. And making sure we're financially sound. They should not be telling us what we should charge and what coverages we have to offer and what our form should say. Mm-hmm. Let the coverage, let the, we should be transparent what our form say, right? And be held to it. But we should not be, they should not be regulating us from that standpoint when they don't have the money, that's not their money at risk. Right. And it's they've never run a company to see what the competition is. If you want to increase competition, for example, like myself, I want to create products. We're working on a very creative product, new product that will come out here. And hopefully um, in the next not hopefully we'll have it out in the next six months and we'll start introducing it into some of our markets on our surplus lines. And we'll look at the admitted company states and see if they'll allow it. But we want to give the customers choice. And the why does the regulatory body have to care about choice? Mm-hmm. That's what they tell you. They always want to give their customer right choice, but they restrict by telling you that you got to have these things certain ways. Um, and that's to me is a change. I think the regulatory bodies should get to the point of regulating carriers and companies to make sure they're financially sound and making sure they're transparent on coverages. Outside of that, let the market determine. I'll give you a hot take. I have Ken and the people that don't like me roll their eyes and think, Oh, of course he thinks that when I say this, I think the soundness of your technology as a carrier should factor into your rating. I thought it did. It did for us because it's a quality of data, right? It's to your point, I think, and that's a fair point. I like what you're focusing on. I believe if, if I take the right, you know, essentially if I'm inferring correctly is that you're worried about is the soundness of your, your data. Do Correct. you know what's going on? And is your technology able to give you the insight that what you need to run your business? Correct. And that's what we focus on when we talk about our technology. It's about knowing our business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about giving the ease of doing business, giving the ability to manage and give a better experience across the board. But for us internally, it's about knowing our business. We know our business, every aspect of it all the time, real time mm-hmm. and the, well, every angle there is. Well, I'll give you an example when you log, and this is not me. I'm not trying to like pump you up here, but Scott, when you log into Ryan 180's dashboard, like the data it gives you is unbelievable up to the minute. Contrarily, I had a meeting with my Safeco rep last week. Mm-hmm. But that was fun. And I logged into their system to pull some numbers. That way I had the most up-to-date data. Mm-hmm. It is March, almost April. It's March. And I log in and I have my numbers and he stops me. He's like, oh no, that's that's last year's numbers. Three months into the year, the most up-to-date data they could give me on my agency was last year. Right. That should that that is a telltale sign of other issues in other areas. And I think that should factor in more into the rating than what it does. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because that, how does that how does that ball roll downhill to customers when you have claims? Right. Am I able to pull up right. the most accurate? You know what I mean? So absolutely, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, the more real time data you can have, the better off you are. Ken, I want you to teach these insurance agents something real quick, and I'm only asking you this because you're the CEO of an insurance carrier. Okay, I want you to think like you're talking to a group of eighth graders because I have the brain of a small squirrel. How do I, if you were up talking to me and and I'm in the audience at any event and I ask you, how do you determine Orion 180's combined ratio, combined ratio, how is that determined on an insurance carrier basis? What numbers are used to get to that combined ratio? That's a very simplistic calculation. Good. And it really is. It's it's you can look at it one of two ways, right? And there's oh people boy. that can put their spin on it, but I'm gonna make it very simplistic for you. You take your reinsurance, what is called your total loss cost, which will be your reinsurance expense, okay, plus your actual losses, right? Your total incurred loss ratio. If you if total loss will be what you've paid out plus your reserves, that's your total loss cost, your total loss dollars. So you got those as ratios because combined is a combined ratio, right? It's mm-hmm. a percentage. So if you got the total loss cost, which would be your reinsurance expense ratio plus your to- your loss ratio, that's your total loss cost plus what is your operating expense, the operating expenses of the company. Those two numbers combined equals your co- your combined ratio. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you spend of a dollar, right? Because that's really what it is. It's a hundred. It's a dollar. So if you write, if you pay 30 cents of every dollar to your reinsurance expense, that's 30 cents. Let's say your loss ratio is is 40. So now you've got 70 cents and your operating expenses, let's just say it's 25. You've got a 95 combined. That's as simple as it could be done. Got it. I think that's the easiest way to explain it. So we've got $1, a $1 bill. Yep. And we that's, your say, 100%, that's your 100% combined. Yep. So insurance... Uh, I'm sorry, uh, reinsurance is 30 cents of that, okay? Our loss ratio is, say, 40, 40%, so that's 40 cents. Yep. And then our operating expenses are 25 cents, gets you to 95, uh, you know, yeah. That's 95. a 95% combined. That's correct. That's your called your 95 combined. Yep. So Got if it. your reinsurance expense is, let's say your reinsurance expense is 40, and your loss ratio is 45. Right. You're at 85 and you've got a 25. You're at what? One, what's that? 110, right? Yep. That means you're losing money. For every dollar you brought in, you're spending out 10 cents more than you brought in. Got you. That calculation is not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Once you explain it using the dollar bill example, that's pretty yeah. easy to understand. So most carriers on a combined ratio, are they including uh, home and auto if they sell both or are they? Br- breaking it down like, okay, our combined ratio of home is this, our combined ratio of auto is that. I don't know. I'm not going to speak to other companies. More than likely, they're looking by line of business. They'll look at combined Mm -hmm. ratios. But as a carrier, when they report as a carrier, they'll report their carrier, their company results, their carrier Mm -hmm. results as a combined entity, right? And then then, then let's let's, let's deep dive a little further. Uh, State Farm comes out a couple weeks ago, and they're talking. The media is talking about them losing fifteen. Was it fifteen billion dollars on? Um, I believe it was fifteen billion on auto. I think is if I'm not mistaken. But then you know they make up 
a lot of that with financial services stuff that's sold, things like that. So is that that won't play into it. Financial services won't play into it. That's a separate line outside the insurance industry. Right. So okay. insurance products can combine together. You know, if they're auto line, and by the way, they're homeowner and they're other uh, renters, commercial, whatever else they're writing as an insure cause, those companies could offset what is going to combined. What they were telling you, if they said the auto lost $15 billion, that line of business lost $15 billion. Right. But as a company, as a whole, State Farm probably, I don't know what their results were, but mm. the results, they could have still been positive as a company. Right, right. I got you. That makes sense. That's very interesting, that, that combined ratio. I remember when I was a nationwide captive agent and we would go to like Southeastern District meetings, the leadership would talk about combined ratio. And to me, that was just some kind of wild ass number they threw out that I didn't know whether that was legitimate or whether they had, you, you know what I mean? Like, I, you, mm -hmm. you just don't know because I didn't understand really what combined ratio meant. So so let me ask you a question. Did anybody okay. ever share with you what the combined ratio really is? Uh, it's just they, a profit loss. All it is is profit loss. Right. Uh, yeah, they made an underwriting profit or they make an underwriting loss. So again, that's all it is. Combined yeah. ratio says, have you made an underwriting profit or underwriting loss? Part of that captive agency culture, at least the ones I've been involved in, is to, to almost give you enough information to be dangerous, but keep you in the dark a little bit, too. Yeah, that's kind of they don't really want you knowing their business like some of the independent carriers do. Well, you know and, you, I mean? and usually when a carrier starts talking about combined ratio in a captive sense, it's because they're about to tell you they're taking rates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's like, like they're talking about this and then it's hey, going to be news, like, you're, and, about, you're about to get a pay raise. <laughs> and because of this, we're about to take a 26% rate increase. Yeah. No, I, I just never really fully understood what combined ratio meant. I, I'd ask a couple people on the podcast, and I still didn't get a, what I felt like was a great I, answer. I remember when I was at Alpha, we were we had like a hundred and five percent combined or something uh -huh. like that, and their solution. And I don't know if they're still doing this or not. It's been too long since I've left there from Sumi, but the their solution was they they built a discount. On your homeowner's policy, you got a discount based on how many on-time monthly payments you had on your auto. Mm. So if you paid your car insurance on time, mm -hmm. you got a discount on your homeowners. Mm -hmm. Might have made sense in actuary world, mm -hmm. but try explaining that to me, Maul. I'm telling you. Whose homeowner's insurance went up $300 because she was three days late on an auto payment. Sure. Yeah. It yeah. was... It was like the time of my life explaining that it's, to people. It's, it's like when one of your customers gets on the phone and you've got to start talking about what what was it we used to have to explain to people? Uh, their auto, their monthly premium went up, and then you start talking about the, you know, there was you added a the base vehicle, the base premium. You, and all you, that. You've added a vehicle in April, oh, right? And now it's June, so now we've got to start talking about factor months. Start talking to some redneck from Alabama about factor months. Right. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you added this vehicle in April and now we're in June. And 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 it was you you almost needed a PhD in like uh redneck and, and even normal, like you know, a lot of people wouldn't understand what a factor month is to figure this stuff out. Very the average difficult. person doesn't understand it. Yeah, very, very difficult to explain like 
And you know what I'm talking about in, in auto insurance. You, you If you call me and you add a BMW in June, right? well, it, it, maybe you added it June 15th and your bill comes out June 21st and it's too late to put it on that. Mm-hmm. So that, so then your, your next time it comes, you get your bill, it goes up, you know, $142 or whatever. Right. Or, or, or maybe, maybe there's, you know, there's only one month left before the, well, I'll tell you what mucks it all up too on on personal car insurance and even commercial is you have some carriers that when you add a vehicle, the premium is prorated from that day until the next bill is due and you owe that premium at the time of adding that vehicle. That's the right way to do it. Right, right, right. Right, But what a lot of carriers do, and and Alpha did this, is you didn't have to pay anything. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the next bill was- Here we go had the last month's prorated add to it. And where it gets even more interesting is if you're too close to the end of that. Right. So then you have to wait two months and they're like, why did my bill go from $120 to 380? And you don't really have an answer well, for them. You know, well, 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 what all that equals is a phone call to Scott. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's your time that needs to be wasted. Yeah. And then I have to call the carrier and we have to have a 30 minute discussion. Then you have to call them. Hey, I've got a question about Orion 180. You bet. This is owned me, and I hope I don't know how you guys do things over here. But do, do you have something besides an annual full pay to pay a policy, or is it just annual full pay? No, we have four options. I hate to call anybody out, but if anybody from openly is listening to this podcast right now, folks, y'all got to figure some shit out <laughs> over there. This whole openly only has, am I right about that? Because we sell a lot of openly in our agency. And we that don't they don't have a monthly billing option. How is that possible? You have to, it's 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 annual full pay, and that's the only way you can pay it. Uh, yeah. uh unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I don't know anything, I don't know much about those guys, but no, we have four options. We have a full pay, we have a semi-pay quarterly and 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 a monthly. Right. Well it's actually a 10 pay. We have a 10 pay, and look, the reason being is one of the points you talked about and you were mentioning about you don't want to have certain billing points of how much and what you really want to get into. And, and I'm not going to be, I'm trying not to be geeky here on you, but you want to be in equity at all right. times. Right. So in the scenario where the person doesn't collect up front, the insurance company is going naked from a standpoint of coverage. So they're providing coverage without ever receiving any money for that coverage. Right. And insurance companies really should never want to go down that path. You should always be in equity, which means is even from the time of when the payment is due and you have to calculate from the payment due date, or to even what would be a a uh, the uh, grace period, right? Mm-hmm. That even by the time the grace period would end, you have received premium for that grace period to be covered. You, that way you've never without having received premium for the appropriate coverage of the earned premium. So you never want to be into a point, but these companies that go out there, you know, and I'm sure that probably the, com- the conversation with open is they don't want to get into installment options. They probably want you to go out and do... Uh, premium financing and stuff like that to get it paid in the monthly. So they get their, all their premium up front. Sure. And that could be doing different scenarios, but they, for us, again, going back, one of the things is I understood starting our company because we were approached early on in conversations about doing a hundred percent upfront. And I just said, no customers, we need to give options, give opportunities. Make it easy. It's about ease of doing business again. Ken, you know, what's weird about what we're talking about right there right now. And when I got an insurance in 2008, like, I think every insurance exam in America for every state talks about, and this was like my first day of insurance. One of the things I had pounded into my head was like, here's the way the insurance contract works. The insurance carrier 
you know, unilateral contract. You came up, your boys over there, you came up with y'all's contract, right? Correct. Y'all, yep. y'all are the one that came up with the contract. The customer doesn't have anything to do with writing the damn contract, thank God. But in exchange for you saying, we're going to take on this much of this risk and coming up with a contract, the way that's enforceable is I give you money, right? right? You're you're doing the contract, I'm giving you money, and now we have a contract, and everybody's on the hook. But the longer I get in the insurance game with agency build accounts and other things, where you know we don't we're not getting money for a policy for ten days or whatever. I don't know. It just seems uh like that's been thrown out the window at some point and another. I mean, thirty you got thirty days to pay a wholesale well, a- broker. Yeah, that, that's us. Another thing we conscious made a conscious decision is not to get into agency bill, right? We didn't want to put it on the agents. And by the way, you run into issues where the consumer says, I gave the check to the agent. Agent says, I didn't give it to you. Now you're going to who you're going to get, right? And now you're exactly. in a dispute. So we got three-party dispute. We directly bill the insureds. We take right. it. That way you don't have to do it again. Let you do what you do best. You provide risk cons- consultation. You sell the product. Make it easy for you to bring it to us. You make a decision works with us. And I love the fact that you keep on doing what you're, you're speaking my language. They're contracts. Correct. They've they've accepted the contracts based on consideration. Exchange right. of consideration. They paid the contract. It's a contract. It's their obligation to read the contracts. It's your obligation as an agent. You have fiduciary responsibility. They make sure they understand the contracts. When they mm-hmm. accept it, they accept it. Mm-hmm. And the, the point is when there's a claim, don't they can't use the excuse of why well, I just didn't know. Right. No, it's your obligation to know. Right. We put right. together these, we accept a transfer of risk. I'm accepting risk, and here's what I'm willing to accept. And that's why the, all those things come into play. But it is a point. It's a contract. Right. It's not a, a willy-nilly, let's take a wing at it. And you know, it makes me feel good. I had look, I, I've had people ask me, hey, you know what? Can you help me out with this one? It's a good friend of mine. Can you pay a claim? <laughs> I'm like, are you going to write write me an extra check? I mean, right. it's really, that's what you're asking because it's not a claim paying out a, a, an extra 50 bucks off the price, you know, that's a, you know, which we don't do either because the risk is what it is, right? We, mm. we don't say one risk is different. If it rates what it is, that's the rate. Right. But you don't give out free money just to help you because it's a friend of yours, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's like, exactly. Becoming, hey, Scott, you know what? That house fire down the street really is going to impact my loss ratio. Do you mind writing a check for 500 grand? You know, right. are you going to do that? You, right. no. <laughs> You're a nice guy. You like doing business with me. Well, you know, my dad, my father has only been a trial lawyer for 35 years, and he's been suing insurance companies for 35 years. And when I got an insurance, he pulled me in his office one day and he said, he said, son, I want you to sit down for a minute. I'm going to tell you something about insurance. And I said, sure, dad. I was older. I was 35 years old. He said, I've been suing insurance companies for 35 years. And he said, I want to tell you something and don't ever forget what I'm about to tell you. An insurance carrier will never pay out more than they are contractually obligated to pay. So don't ever think that you're going to somehow, you know, for your buddy that has a policy with you, get a hundred thousand more dollars for them when they've only got seventy five thousand dollars. That's coverage. what consumers think think it works. A hundred percent, they do. Yeah. But they they are not going to do that. Ken knows that as well as anybody. Hey, hey, Ken, for all these agents listening right now to this podcast, uh, and I got to wrap this thing up. How do they reach out to Orion One Eighty? 
if they're in some of the states that you guys are in right now, and I know you're adding more and you're, you know, doing a lot of different things, but how would they go to possibly, if they're in one of the states that you guys serve or you're about to serve, how would they get a contract with Orion 180 to start riding business through you guys? Well, I appreciate that. If they go to Orion180.com and there's a, there's a link on there to contact us um, and how to become an agent with us. We'd love to, and look, we even love to have agents contact us where we were not there yet to let us know they'd love for us to get there. Right. Uh, that'll be a big driver for us to look at. One of the things, though, we, we look at as, you know, f- regulatory-friendly states. It matters to us is what the regulators, we're not going to go into states where we have to fight with people all the time. Sure. Um, but, no, we'd love to. We appreciate everything you guys do. We, we are, as I mentioned, or you guys mentioned earlier that I had stated back in, uh, our agency meeting, which we hopefully will have you guys there again this year with Accelerate uh, 2023. We are big fans of the independent agent base. Agents mm. are not going anywhere. They never will. Agents should probably realize that and not be scared of direct to consumer competition. If anything, it will drive more business to you. The quality agents is just going to show that everything else, no different than insurance companies, you got to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. Show your value as agents and agents like yourselves probably stand out and you don't have a problem getting customers because you're great quality agents. Uh, you probably got to bar the door shut. You probably get too many of them, <laughs> uh, but not too, you can never get too many of them. Right. But right. look, we love to partner with quality agents. Uh, that's another thing we we look at is we look at the quality of the agent. We don't contract with everyone. Um, it's about the quality of the agents getting on board with it. We have alignment between uh, how we do business, what we do business and how we support each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's you know we'd love to have more and more quality agents partner with us and we look forward to growing with everyone and we're going to keep on growing brother I we're not growing that. we're dying i see it and we're not dying i love it you're getting me fired up over here guys i'm going to go ahead and shut this thing down ken we love you we appreciate you being on the show as i end every podcast rewards come from action not discussion Get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out into the big, bad world and create relationships, not only in your community, which is vitally important, but go out and create relationships with carriers like what Ken's doing at Orion 180. I've always said choices are a good thing. You need to have a stable of fantastic carriers in your back pocket to write more business. And I want you to go out today and start building those relationships with carriers, carrier reps, people in your in your community so that you can live the life that Ken and Bradley and myself know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you deserve to live. Go write good business for your for your wife, for your husband, for your kids college fund, figure out what your why is. Go write good business for your parents and your in-laws that are struggling out there today so you can help them and and do things for them that maybe they, for whatever reason, they just couldn't do up until today. I know I have, I, one of my big whys in my life is I've got two in-laws that live 100 yards from me, and they need help. And I'm not going to start crying on you, but I'm going to tell you this. There's not one day that I get up and I go in that office and get – freaking deal with all the same shit that all of you have to deal with every day that I don't think about that. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Ken. Ken, thank you so much. And guys, you were listening to the Insurance guys. Guys Podcast. We love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family. 
and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.